Do you like wrestling trivia? Then check out the five-star match game, the Pro Wrestling Quiz Show. I'm Joe Gagney, and every episode, I grill three contestants with five rounds of power-packed wrestling trivia. We have over 30 evergreen episodes in the archives covering WWE, AEW, Japan, Mexico, and much, 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 much more. Play along at home and check it out today. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Here we go! Listening to the Emerald Flow Show on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Welcome to episode 47 of the Emerald Flow Show. We're a podcast on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. You can follow us on Twitter at Emerald Flow Show, and you can listen to us on all the major podcast apps. If you're on uh, Apple Podcasts, leave us a five star rating and go to voicesofwrestling.com slash donate if you're feeling generous and want to have a donation. I'm Gerard. We're doing a little something different this week because Paul and I can't come together to, at the same time to do a recording. So we're going to take turns uh, on the segments uh, with our thoughts on all of the recent shows and news out of All Japan and NOAA. So obviously what everyone's talking about is Katsuhiko Nakajima leaving Noah. Uh, this was definitely out of the blue. Uh, he had said in, a, in subsequent uh, interviews with the media that he decided about two months ago that he was going to leave. And um, so he told them then, which is interesting because about, well, a little over two months ago was that match against Kento Miyahara. So the question you have to sort of ask is, was that something that he was doing because he knew he was leaving? Or is that something that was assumed to be the beginning of an actual program, which I think is a sort of interesting question. Uh, so he's still officially freelance. No one is saying anything otherwise from people who have talking to people in Japan. Uh, it, you know, if I had to say, I don't know if I could say, 51, 50% plus one that he's going to go freelance. I think that's the most likely. I think AEW is probably the second most likeliest. I think WWE is a distant, distant, distant chance given his style, his size. I don't know how his English is, but again, it's just his style and size. No one in WWE is going to take that sort of offense. Obviously, Kenta had to change his offense when he went over. So, I mean, people are speculating that he might be the next the new fifth member of just five guys, which uh, 
I'm seeing that has sort of cooled off in the last few days, so I don't know. Uh, he uh, Mudo posted a pic of him having dinner with Mudo. I know that there's rumors because obviously you had Seki Yoshioka basically say that they were leaving uh, Noah, and you had um, Nikon Lee leave all Japan. So like a referee that also did some backstage work. I think she was responsible for getting visas for foreigners leaving. So it makes you wonder: is a new thing starting up? But I don't think a new thing is starting up with Mudo because. Obviously, he has that deal with uh, Abima and WWE, so he's sort of the face of that, plugging it. So that's sort of what I think uh, his whole deal is going to be. So I think that there's obviously a few free agents now on the market, but I don't think that they're going to end up uh, starting a new promotion. I would love to see Nakajima sort of finish the rest of the year as a freelancer in all Japan to do another uh, match against Kento on December 31st. I think that would be a nice sort of crescendo. Uh, or finale, I think the right word is I'm looking for for that. Um, so that would be my ideal thing, that he comes in uh, and builds to that, and then he can go to his next place. I mean, there's not that many freelancing places left in Japan. I mean, is he, could he pop into New Japan? Absolutely. But, like, New Japan has plenty of its own talent, but I could see at the same time them at least using him them for a bit if, say, you know, Will Ospreay and Zack Sabre Jr. and all those rumored uh, foreigners leaving next year to go to AEW is... Uh, I guess also you can't rule out WWE with Ospreay, strangely enough, uh, that... You know, why not bring him in for a G1, for a tournament, for a couple months program? You could program against a Naito or Okada, or you could have, say, yeah, a Yota Suji or a Shota Umino, uh, like, beat Nakajima in a big match on the way to finally beating your Naitos and your Okadas. Maybe you don't want to burn off Yota Suji pinning Okada, you know, in the first six months of 2024 or something like that. So there are things that New Japan could do with him, but I am sort of a little skeptical on that at this point. Now, turning to Seki Yoshioka, uh, I think that uh, it's a little was weirdly straight worded. It sounded like he was just taking the rest of the year off. So I don't know what's up with that. Um, I think that he would be incredibly valuable wherever he goes. I mean, obviously, he would be amazing in all Japan. I mean, there would be a place for him even in New Japan as like the tag team partner for someone else. Like, I mean, between Nakajima and Yoshioka possibly leaving Noah forever, like, you know, that really plummets my interest in Noah. I mean, Nakajima has been a constant. I followed his entire career. I mean, I, I ordered the videotape uh, of the very first World Japan show where he did his uh, martial arts exhibition and, you know, followed his career from that point. So he's obviously a very important part of my interest in Noah. And Yoshioka is like, you know, one of the best juniors in the company. I mean, you can debate whether Tim or Amatsuka or maybe Kotoge or whatever. But like, you know, that junior division which, you know, we talk about, I'll talk about later. It's getting a little better in some ways, but there's still a huge hole when uh, with Yoshioka leaving. So I don't know what's going to happen. Those are just my feelings. Uh, Yoshioka, I think in some ways Yoshioka might be even more likely than um, Nakajima to at least freelance in All Japan because, I mean, All Japan's, you know, they'll, they'll give him a spot for sure, right? Uh, he was a previous junior a uh, battle of glory winner too i think in 2019 or um was it he was a champion it was one of those things because he had a match with koji iwamoto either in the finals of the junior battle of glory or for the junior title in 2019 that was quite good and so he had some experience there in all japan and would be a welcome addition to uh that 
company. Well, hello to the first Paul portion of the episode. I assume Gerard has already explained to you what we're doing right now. If not, you're going to be mighty confused for the rest of the episode, but I'm not going to explain it. So there we go. Uh, what makes it even more confusing is the fact that I'm actually recording this before Gerard is recording his portions. So that means time-wise this is going to get very wonky and I really hope nothing major happens between me and him recording, but I also know that I just massively jinxed myself by saying that, which means that it's probably going to be all kinds of crazy stuff happening in the next, I don't know, I think like three, four hours. I'm not quite sure when exactly Gerard is going to be recording his portion. So yeah, but we'll see. So uh, kind of getting into the news a bit as well. So just giving my thoughts on some of the things that have been happening. So Nakajima and Yoshioka leaving Noah. Um, first of all, obviously it's, Two massive losses for Noah. It's both guys were, quite frankly, two of my absolute favorites in the promotion. Uh, I very much enjoyed watching them. I mean, I've kind of given my thoughts on Nakajima in as far as I think he wasn't really that good of a draw with Noah. But nevertheless, a tremendous in-ring performer. Just, to me, really just been an absolute delight. Uh, for years now in the promotion even though obviously there have been issues with him and his attitude at times but they've rarely ever affected his in-ring <laughs> besides obviously from the times he legitimately knocked people out but that's besides the point uh Yoshioka I feel like Noah really wasted him in his run here to me, he's a guy that really should have been at the top of the junior division and they just never seemed willing to do it. Which is evident by the fact that he held the junior title one time and it was a very short transitionary reign. Uh, and he felt really hot at the time when he won it as well. So, yeah, I don't know. Just a shame. I'm really curious to see where he goes. I mean, obviously, kind of with Nakajima leaving... Yoshioka leaving and some other people leaving that I'm going to get into later. There are rumors that maybe there's some sort of new kind of startup promotion in the works. And obviously he would be a major candidate to go there and maybe be a big anchor for their junior division, whatever that new promotion would be. I'm just going to double pro wrestling Abraham for now. Uh, but obviously if that doesn't happen, then... Yeah, I'm not sure where he's going. I mean, all Japan, I think he would be a great addition. Um, lead, I think, obviously would make a lot of sense, but I could also very easily just see him become one of those like junior guys that just bounces around like low-level indies, which would just be an absolute shame because uh, I think he's way too good for that. But yeah, uh, we'll see what he's doing. Uh, Nakajima, obviously, I mean... He'll most likely have loads of choice. I think there's a lot of potential landing spots for him. Uh, obviously, the pro wrestling Abraham, uh, that would be an obvious one um, if it happens. 
uh, all Japan, I think would make a ton of sense from kind of all the storyline perspective. Because really it's the only kind of target that would allow them to continue the whole Kento Miyahara versus Nakajima storyline, which to me has been the best storyline in wrestling so far this year. So just if he, for example, goes to New Japan, they can't really continue that. If he goes to America, to either to WWE, which is the worst case scenario, or to AEW, uh, which I don't see him faring much better there, to be honest. Um, he obviously can't continue it then. So really, in that case, it would just be kind of a waste that they had all of this build-up and Nakajima just beat him once and obviously a massive match on Corican, but if that were it, that would just be a shame. Uh, now, would he have had to leave Noah to do that? I don't know. I mean, obviously, it seems like the Noah-All Japan relation seems to be done for now. Um, yeah, so if that was kind of hindering them continuing the storyline, that's what led to Nakajima leaving Noah. I don't know. That would be very weird. I mean, Noah seems to have been pretty open about letting their guys work elsewhere and also not really being all that much good at <laughs> protecting people as they've seen with uh, Kaito Kiyomiya in the G1. So I would be surprised if that was the reason. But obviously this seems to have been a thing that came about right, quite suddenly because he pretty much just... seems like he just let his contract expire because there have been some rumblings that Noah has been giving out like six-month contracts and we know that generally speaking, their contract dates were in contract renewal times were in April. So obviously it would make sense that if there are six month contracts that it would expire in October. Uh, because yeah, they just pretty much just put out that he's leaving and then pretty much immediately will have his last matches in the promotion. So yeah, whatever happened there seemed to be quite sudden. And it seemed they were still having plans for him obviously with access and everything. So yeah, very mysterious. Curious to know if we'll ever find out what actually really happened there. But it, it is definitely something, both of them leaving, is something that does impact my enjoyment of Noah. Because I said, they were two of my favorites and two people that I really like to see do kind of really very good things. I mean, Yoshioka, even if he never really ascended to the top of the junior division, he was still doing great things in the junior tag division, being one of the best guys in there. So... It's really going... I'm going to get into that bit more in Grand Shep, but, like, for example, when I review Grand Shep, I was really hoping he would win the junior title. And then not only does he not win the junior title, he still have to deal with Hayata as champion, he then also leaves the promotion. So that's just really kind of a double negative on the junior division right there. And then Nakajima, yeah, definitely. He's a big loss, too. Uh, do I think Noah would have ever pushed him again as a top top guy probably not but he was definitely going to be a guy that would have great kind of title defenses and probably someone that they would have gone to the access title win eventually I feel that even more so now that go didn't win uh the title i think that would have made it even more likely that if he had stayed that they would have won those titles eventually and now that's not gonna happen either so yeah it's a shame uh We'll see how Noah recovers from this. I don't think it will have a big influence on their drawing, which is bad enough already. Um, but 
yeah, still, I think it's a it's definitely a big knock on them in terms of in-ring quality. And we'll see if they pick someone up to replace these two. Okay, and then another kind of leaving news, it's Nikan Lee uh, is leaving all Japan. She was their female referee. Uh, she was there for quite a long time as well. And that was also another one that kind of seemed to come out of nowhere. Um, she was actually someone that was scouting, or that has been in Europe quite a bit, scouting uh, kind of foreigners to bring in. So she really, so maybe she quit all Japan because she kind of wants to focus more on kind of being a talent liaison while spending more time in Europe. In which case, I guess it would make sense for her to leave kind of her refing duties behind because obviously that's that's a lot of stress kind of going back and forth between Europe and Japan, uh, while also kind of dealing with all kinds of like getting talents kind of set up with all of the necessary paperwork and all of that and kind of scouting people. So, yeah, so that would make sense. Obviously, it would make a lot of sense that if this whole pro wrestling Abraham thing is happening, then she would become one of the referees there. Another reason for why I think she might be leaving is that she never got the chance to ref Triple Crown matches after Wada kind of stopped doing that. Because she was in all Japan for a really long time. And her kind of being kind of yeah passed over for the triple crown spot, I I feel like probably that made her decision a lot easier to leave. Because I if I were her, I would be pissed about that. If I spent if I do well, for instance, the pro is a really good job at refing for years, and I understand that like they let Vada ref the triple crown matches over her because he's a legend, legendary referee in that promotion. So. I get it, but then after that, that she didn't get that spot, I mean, then they were just never gonna, like, see her at that level, right? So I, I get it from that perspective as well. Yeah, but another interesting case to see where she actually goes. If this new promotion happens, I could see her go there, but I could easily see her just spend a lot more time in Europe scouting talent and sending her off to, like, various Japanese promotions, which that's a good gig if you can get it. And then another one, uh, and this one was not a uh, voluntary uh, departure, as one Ikeman Jiro Kuroshiro was in fact sacked by WWE. Um, and he is teasing an announcement for tomorrow, uh, whether that be him just doing some sort of Twitter announcement or if he actually pops up at a, a promotion that is running tomorrow. And obviously I should mention if I'm talking about tomorrow, I'm talking about the 4th of October. Now, I looked at the Pervota's uh, uh, website to look at the schedule, schedule of which promotions are actually running tomorrow, if this isn't just some sort of Twitter announcement. And the promotions that are running tomorrow are All Japan has a house show in Shizuoka. Um, same as, uh, so New Japan also has a house show in, uh, I don't remember, but it's, again, just another tour stop for them. DDT has a show in Shinjuku Face. And then as well, the people that are running is Stardom has a show and Prominence also has a show. So Stardom, I think we can very safely rule out. Prominence, I would also rule out, although they have been doing quite a bit of intergender stuff. But I also don't think he's going there. All Japan, obviously there's a lot of relations there. He's, he spent a bunch of time there after Wrestle 1 went under before he went to uh, America. So that would make a lot of sense, but 
I don't think they would just have him come back on a random house show in Shizuoka. And it's a really small one. They have three matches announced for that one right now. So, yeah, I don't see that happening. Same with New Japan. I, A, I don't think New Japan is interested in him. But also, B, why would they debut him on a random house show? That doesn't really make sense either. So, yeah, I don't think... He's going to do that. Now, DDT and Shinjuku face. That makes a ton of sense. Again, it's another promotion he wrestled a lot for prior uh, to leaving. Uh, so I think he would fit well with their style. So if I had to make a bet, I would bet that he would be going to DDT. But again, he might also be another candidate for pro wrestling Abraham. But yeah, yeah. I was about to say, interesting to see where he's going, but I'm I'm not the biggest fan of Jiro, so quite frankly, uh, it would be very much in my own personal interest if he goes somewhere where I don't have to regularly watch him. So if that actually is uh, him going to DDT, which I've fallen out of quite a bit now, or if it's him staying in the US, I think those would be my preferable outcomes, to be quite frank. Okay, and then I'm just also going to briefly give my thoughts on WWE uh, being announced as coming to Abima uh, TV. There's been a lot of doom saying about that. And yeah, I, I don't think it really affects Noah, to be quite honest. Like, I don't, I haven't really seen any other announcements of WWE and Noah cooperating in any other way. Now, if that were to happen, that would obviously be bad for Noah because there is not a good track record of WWE cooperating with other promotions and that working out well for that other promotions in the long run. And it's really the only promotions that have ever survived working with WWE in any way are the ones that uh, either jumped trip and broke off the uh, relationship eventually uh, or OVW. Uh, that's really about it. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I really hope it's just a deal where uh, WWE airs on the Beamer and no further kind of uh, cooperation between the two. Because to be honest, uh, if there is actually like significant crossover with WWE or even worse, if WWE were to just purchase uh, Noah outright, uh, then Noah most likely is no longer going to be covered by this podcast because I'm not covering anything related to that promotion. I'm not dealing with that. Uh, thank you. No, thank you very much. Now, who actually should be worried, though, about this deal are DDT and Tokyo Doshi Pro. Both of them at this point are completely off Abima, and with Abima adding yet another promotion... And yet another wrestling promotion to their lineup, it makes it even less likely that those two are going to be making a return to the platform anytime soon. And since the Beamer is the big baby of, uh, it's, well, it's kind of the main kind of thing of the whole kind of company that the whole like cyber fight is under, that worrying because again one of the reasons why these promotions were bought in the first why this whole cyber fight thing exists in the first place is to be content for a beamer now obviously there's still wrestle universe but i still don't 
see that as kind of being a main priority. So I, do we have to get worried in like the immediate near term, near term future for either of those promotions or something might be happening to them? I don't think so, but it's definitely a worrying sign that kind of the main thing they were required for is that they are no longer required for that. So that as long as Noah stays on there, I'm not going to get too worried. But if Noah also gets pulled off a beamer, then I would get very worried. Uh, but definitely, it's it's not an encouraging sign in the so far as what the future of DDT and Tokyo Joshi might be. So we start off, we go to Noah, we're going to the Marafuji 25th anniversary show on September 17th at Corican Hall in front of 1,532 fans. That's a super no vacancy full house. Uh, what a show this was. Uh, that's got to be a good number for Noah. Uh, I thought everything from the the match that was Kazuki Fujina, Manabu Soya, Masa Kitamiya, uh, Daiki Naba uh, versus Saxon Huxley, Timothy Thatcher, Hideki Suzuki, and Shui Taniguchi on was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. Uh, Kaio Kiyomiya, Hayata, and Eita defeating Yoshinori Ogawa, Dagenstein. Rogers was a solid match. And of course, how can you hate on Keno and Psycho Town Clown teaming against a heel to Dr. Wagner Jr. and Lance Anawai. Uh, when uh, Psycho Clown was disqualified for going after uh, Wagner's mask, they were playing it. Obviously, Psycho Clown took uh, Dr. Wagner Jr.'s mask back in Mexico, so there's history between them and everything like that. Uh, but obviously, really what this match, this show was was the main event. Will Ospreay defeating Naomi Chimar Fuji in 23 minutes and 3 seconds with the Stormbreaker. I mean, this is an incredible match. It was like a spot fest, but it was also like very much a love letter to pro wrestling from Will Ospreay. Uh, you know, uh, he carried this, but Mara Fuji definitely worked hard, did stuff that you hadn't seen Mara Fuji done in, in every year. And so it just brought a smile to your face. And like, I don't know, you could, I suppose you could nitpick certain elements of it and whatnot, but like, oh my God, I mean, this was awesome. So much fun. And uh, obviously, you know, Osprey was going to win this. And then Osprey showed a lot of respect to Mara Fuji because, you know, obviously Mara Fuji was a huge, um, influence on him and to become a pro wrestler and watching those Noah tapes and everything like that. So that was a great feel-good show by the end of it. Okay, now let's get to the first show. Or rather, Gerard just gave you his thoughts on the first show, which was the Murafuji anniversary show in Corican Hall. And since you already heard his thoughts on it, and maybe he went through it match by match, maybe he didn't, but I don't want to go through it match by match, so just in case he did that, uh, I'm just kind of going to stick to just general thoughts about the show as well as kind of talk, maybe digging a bit more into the matches that I have, like, really kind of prescient thoughts on. So first of all, attendance-wise, that's obviously a great number. So it's 1,532 fans, like, that's, I mean, it was visible as well, like, that was, that place was packed in a way that we haven't seen in a really long time. So, yeah, I think even more packed, quite frankly. Like, it looked more packed than the Nakajima versus Kento show. Uh, so, yeah, no, great job there. And I think Noah has kind of shown that they can, that these kind of special event corricans can draw a lot rather than just kind of their normal corricans, even, even though the numbers have been a bit up there. So, I mean, 
that's decent. But nevertheless, just really good crowd. So just really big success. I'm curious though how much they can kind of maintain this kind of special event Corican thing because you obviously need, you can't always have like something at the level of Kento versus Nakajima where there's a lot of like real things built around it or Marufuji's 25th anniversary and him wrestling the guy that he probably had the most influence on but I got into that a bit later so yeah I don't really think they have anything else of this level in that chamber right now but who knows maybe they can come up with something creative to kind of try and keep this going a bit now as for the matches I have a few more thoughts on so first of all Hirohe Oiwa beating Drew Damiyawaki. Uh, <laughs> we've spent a lot of time on this podcast talking about Jun Tamiyawaki and kind of his misfortunes in the booking. But I mean, this is just, this is just an absolute joke. I mean, you have New Japan kind of sent over their own young boy, like their own young lion to this promotion. And he's just beating your guys. Like he's just supposed to be on excursion. I mean, there is a reason where these guys normally don't do their excursions in Japan, right? Because it's kind of supposed to wash off the stink of them being constant losers as young lions. Right? Because then they can like come back after like months or year or like years or however long their excursion is going to be. And they're going to be fresh and it's kind of going to be forgotten that they were constantly getting beaten by the likes of Taka Michinoku and Doku. Doku. Ah. Doki. You know? So that's and obviously also kind of immerse himself in different culture, kind of learn learn a bunch of different things. So him doing that in Japan and just instantly, immediately getting like wins over like non-young boys in Noah is just obviously that was part of the agreement, but like it just makes Noah like like such a lesser promotion. And I know it's like Junta Miyawaki, he is one of the lowest guys on the roster now. But still, like, it's just, I don't know, it's just optics-wise, it's just terrible. I, how do you allow that to happen? But how do you allow that to happen? But then again, that, that's something we've been asking us for ourselves for a long time now when it comes to this whole, like, Noah and New Japan relationship. Like, it's just, obviously, it's very one-sided because New Japan is just a bigger promotion. But again, in theory, Noah has made a lot of statements, right, that they want to be, that they want to challenge New Japan and they want to be a serious competitor. And, but then what actually happens is that they just get emasculated by New Japan at every turn. You know, you have Kaito just get absolutely just annihilated by Okada in just every interaction that they've had. And then you put Kaito in the G1 and he barely kind of he's barely relevant in that entire tournament and just doesn't even really factor into the uh, final decision there where he's just eliminated uh, kind of before things really kind of break down so yeah he just finishes ahead of Chase Owens at least and then now you have this young he brings back a young boy for all intents and purposes into Noah and that young boy just started dominating the promotion it's just 
just makes it like such fucking like bottom tier trash. Just absolutely baffling. I don't know. But Uiva looks good. So, I mean, that's something. So, I mean, just looking at it just more neutrally. I mean, or looking at it more from like just a New Japan perspective. I mean, it's good for New Japan. I mean, it makes their guy, like it's going to make Uiva look like a really big deal. He just goes into Noah and he just beats everyone there and he can come back and like just be a player. And he also looks good in terms of in-ring performance. He looks, he has a great look. Um, now that he's out of the young boy tights as well, like I think he can kind of develop into like a proper character and everything a lot more. So he's absolutely going to be benefiting from this. Uh, I just don't know what Noah's getting out of it at all. And then really the only other match I have really kind of big thoughts on because a lot of this stuff was kind of Left of stuff set up here was then settled on Grand Trip, so I don't really have any major thoughts on a lot of it. But the main event, main event was a damn great match. I went four and a half stars on it. Uh, I thought this was, I mean, Marufuji, I mean, obviously he's like picking his spots very much. But like this has been, like quietly has been Marufuji's best year in, in a while. Like he he had really good title match with Jake Lee. He I thought, you know, like he said like he's really someone that does well in all of these kind of like Noah kind of six man tag matches that we've been talking about on the pod a lot. So and then he has this performance, you know, he he and it was noticeable that he really wanted to go all out on this. Like he really wanted to like show off. And he really wanted to like go toe to toe with this guy and I mean, Osprey. I mean, obviously, Osprey is great. Uh, like, he's just one of the best wrestlers in the world right now. And it's also very obvious that he is very heavily influenced by Marufuji, uh, which is not very surprising. I mean, it's, if you kind of know where he comes from, he kind of talked about it, and we kind of talked about it before as well when we recorded that Osprey watched a lot of Murfuji when he was coming up because it kind of falls right into that period when he discovered Japanese wrestling when he kind of like started to like get more probably more, get closer to like either start training or just before he started training and everything and yeah it, there, just, there was just this palpable excitement on Osprey throughout this entire match where he was just delighted to be in that ring to, be, to have that moment to get in there really with with his icon, I think it's the best way of describing it. And I also feel like Marufuji, one of the reasons why he was so motivated was because he kind of actually felt, well, humbled, or he kind of wanted to, like, do right, right? But this guy, but this foreigner who managed to become a really big star in Japan, who is very blatant about his hero worship of Marufuji. So I think it was really just, it felt like a feel-good moment for both men to be in there, right? Like, if, I think it really kind of was a humbling moment for Marufuji in a way because it really showed him how far his influence actually goes. So that was a really nice thing. And then, yeah, just, it really ended the show on just a really great high note, just tremendous wrestling, just top to bottom. Yeah. Great match. I don't think it's going to be on my like match of the year list, <laughs> even after saying all of that. But yeah, I, I couldn't help but smile uh, while watching this match. So tremendous stuff.
So the next news show is uh, Grand Ship 2023 Nagoya on September 24th at the Nagoya International Conference Hall. Unlike All Japan, they had this darkly lit, and they drew 940 fans. It was about what All Japan is doing, and to be completely honest with you, I thought that All Japan number for the Royal Road Finals is a little disappointing. At only nine, you know, 35, 940 for them. This is also very disappointing given the size of the company, given what this was, given obviously how built up Jake Lee has been as the um, GHC uh, champion, right? Um, in terms of the show, like I think it's going to be boring audio just to go like over every uh, match on the card just with one person, but I will just put the highlights. Obviously, Kaido Kimiya, Ryohei Iwan, Aida defeating, Aida defeating Nomichi Marufuji, Yoshinari Yagawa, and Leona in 14-24. Leona was disqualified. I kind of like this. I think Leona is actually not bad for what he's doing, but maybe it's because he's a fresh face, but there is obviously still the, the um, some of the Noah Elephant, uh, Noah Jr. division elements to this, so your mileage may vary. Uh, GHC Tag Team title, Jack Morris and Anthony Green defeated Saxon Huxley and Timothy Thatcher in 17-38 with a tiger driver uh, from Morris on Thatcher. The champs failed in their second defense. New champions. I thought this was a really, really strong match. And by really strong, I mean by strong by the standards of what I was expecting from these guys. Uh, obviously, we're Thatcher fans here on the Emma Flow Show, but not so much for um, Huxley. And we've been very high on Morris, and we've been noting that Green is as um, is greatly improved since he started in Noah. So I think that given the circumstances, given the people involved, I thought this is a lot of fun. All action, no, you know, long nerve holds from uh, Huxley or anything like that and it did what it needed to do and I think that these guys will be great champions then we had the GHC Junior Heavyweight Tag Team title decision match Dragon Bane and Alpha Wolf defeating Ninja Mac and Alejandro in 18-12 with a Twister Bane uh, from Ale uh, Bane on Alejandro uh, obviously Ridgeway had to uh, vacate the titles due to a family emergency and he sounds like he's not coming back to Japan anytime soon he's just going to be taking bookings in uh, the UK so uh, best wishes to him and his family of course uh, so this was very much a spot fest. 18 minutes may sound long for a spot fest, but I thought it, it uh, was solid with everyone in here. Definitely a change of pace. I mean, we talked about how much we love those sort of technical Ridgeway and Ogawa matches where they would pick apart body parts. This is obviously very different, but still obviously one of the best uh, GHC Junior Tag Team title matches in the past couple of years other than those Ogawa and Ridgeway matches. I think this is the right direction for the titles to and this division to go in. Uh, because you can put them against anyone and have a nice little, you know, quick spot fest if need be. And, you know, they're always going to pop the crowd with the spots and everything like that. Because, you know, sometimes Noah crowds aren't very uh, lively. So I think that that's a good choice. And I'm sort of interested to see where this is going. And I think this is the right thing. Then now we had the national title. Heel to Dr. Wagner Jr. defeated Psycho Clown 2107. An obvious result, even though uh, Psycho Cloud's a bit of a big name, but they brought him in just for this tour. I mean, I thought this was a solid match, so it had sort of like fast-paced Japanese action with mixed in with some lucha brawling. You know, both men got their uh, masks ripped and bled and everything like that, so that was awesome. You know, like three and three quarters for star range. You know, um, nice little uh, mashup of styles and, and, and a lot of fun. Um, you know, obviously, if you're a big Psycho Cloud fan but don't watch Noah... You should probably watch this match, I think. Then after it was like going to find out that Jack Morris is going to be challenging next Wagner next, it was very interesting because Jack Morris has already won a tag team title in this match. 
And then for the GAC Junior Heavyweight title, Hayata defeated Seki Yoshioka in 1849 with uh, modified reverse pile driver. I mean, Yoshioka is good at getting the as good matches out of uh, Hayata, uh, obviously. Uh, so this was a very solid, uh, not the most egregiously long Hayata match. Probably still a couple minutes too long, but I thought Yoshioka was solid. We're talking like three and a quarter, maybe three and a half at best. And it just sort of goes to show like how much of a loss that Yoshioka is in this division because, you know, he can carry uh, guys like Hayata to something passable. And then the main event for the GHC uh, heavyweight title, Jake Lee defeated Go Shiozaki in 2106 with the FBS for his fourth defense. A uh, bit of a surprise here. I think a lot of people were expecting uh, uh, Go to win. Uh, I think that that was always a possibility that Lee was going to win. I think that they wanted to get go uh, the, the, the N one to say he won a singles tournament in Noah, but he's too banged up to um, be a champion, maybe carry the belt. So uh, yes, this was definitely maybe like Lee's third best match in Noah. Like obviously go carried this solid back and forth guys taking stiff strikes. I thought go sell of the S- FBS uh, big boot in the corner was amazing. Sound looked like he was been hit by the shotgun and everything like that. So from this regard, I can't call this a blow away match, but like I would go like four and a quarter or something like that, you know, thanks to um, uh, a go. And I think he pushed Jake because like people like Segura and go now and Penno, they'll push Jake in a match and then Jake will start to show more fire than usual. And, and that's sort of what happened here. Uh, and then obviously next, then we had Keno who was going to challenge Jake next. And I think that's fair to say that Keno is going to win that title because if Keno doesn't win that title, even though it might be anticlimactic because he already beat Jake in the N1, I mean, everyone on Noah roster looks like a geek. <laughs> you know, so that's sort of my feelings on that. Uh, but who knows what the uh, Noah New Year uh, main event on January 2nd in Ariaki is going to be now in this regard. It could still be Go versus Keno, of course, but uh, we'll have to find out. Uh, so it's very interesting. Welcome back to the Paul portion, and so Noah Grandship in Nagoya 2023. 940 people in attendance. I guess we have to call this a win. It is up by about 100 people compared to the show they did there in June with Segura vs. Jake Lee. Um, it's right around, it's like a handful of people more than what All Japan has been doing there. So, yeah, I mean, I think we just have to adjust our expectations for what we can call a success for Noah these days. Uh, so, yeah, I guess being up by around 100 and just keeping pace with All Japan is where we're at now. Uh, just real brief thoughts on kind of some undercard stuff. Um, Daga beating Junta. I mean, really, was just there for. Uh, I was just there to establish Daga for his title challenge later on. Uh, we had uh, Keno and Lance Anoe versus Nakajima and Adam Brooks match, uh, which was the goodbye match for Anoe and Brooks, who were finishing up with on the tours. Yeah, Brooks can go back down under and stay there. I really don't have any use for him. Lance Anoa'i, though, we talked about before. Yeah, he can, he can come back. I thought 
he's been looking real solid. I think he actually fits into the style and everything real well. So if they're interested in bringing him back and he wants to come back as well, that's definitely a guy I'd like have a turn and like put him in a tag team or something like that because I think he's perfect for that. Uh, then Leona getting uh, disqualified in the next match. I don't give a shit about Leona. <laughs> I don't know why we're like trying to make him interesting or whatever or doing anything with him besides just, I don't know, putting him in undercard tags where he gets pinned. Yeah, I don't know. I don't give a shit about Leona. Never will. So, whatever. So, then we get to the actually meaty portion of the character. So, the good-looking guys, Jack Morris and Anthony Green, win the tag titles from Saxon Huxley and Timothy Thatcher. I thought this was just... The match itself, it was okay. But I'm very happy about this. Uh, There's really nothing left in this whole, like, Saxon Huxley and Timothy Thatcher title reign. I loved him, but Huxley's just absolutely nothing. Like, you just can't keep going with him. I'd, I'd just much rather see Tim with team of literally anyone else in Real and Hell hold these titles, to be honest. Uh, Jack Morris and Anthony Green, though, I think they have, they've shown good chemistry so far, uh, while they're good-looking guys and everything, and in this match here as well. Uh, I'm, I'm really interested to see, and I, I really hope that they actually hold these titles for quite a while, because I think it's good for Jack. I think it's good for Jack to finally win a title. Because uh, he's very clearly going to be a guy... Uh, that they will build a, uh, well, or not that that they will kind of build up as kind of the foreign eyes essentially. So and holding the titles is perfect for that. And Infinite Green has just been incredibly solid as hell. He's gotten himself over. So yeah, no, he's he's just the perfect kind of tag partner for someone like Morris, where he can kind of like take the heat in most of the matches, and then Morris can come in as kind of the valiant saver basically although i mean it is still kind of up in the air whether or not good looking guys are heels or not because he was because jack was definitely playing that up during the n1 but then for example in this match hideki suzuki got involved so it's kind of unclear where exactly they stand i would say they're face leaning tweeners probably but yeah I think the best use of these guys would be kind of if Green is kind of taking, if, look, it's kind of a bit of a cliche, but look, it's a tried and true method and it works. If Anthony Green kind of is kind of the guy that is getting beaten down here and then Jack Morris is kind of getting the hot tag and getting himself over that way, I think that's the way you go with this team. And I hope they do that for quite a bit. And yeah, no, I think they have a lot of interesting challenges. Uh, interesting potential challenges coming up for them and I hope they kind of get to go on a bit of a run here. And then the junior heavyweight title. Uh, so the uh, Los Colpadores, Dragon Bane and Alpha Wolf finally win the titles. Uh, I think this was kind of an obvious result. I've talked about this before. I, I think these guys were winning these titles anyway. Uh, off of Stinger. Uh, but then obviously when... Uh, the Stinger team uh, kind of had to vacate the titles. Uh, I think it just became very obvious that they were going to hold these titles and they're also going to be in Japan for the rest of the year. So, yeah, no, I, I mean, I like these guys. They, they're also still really young. I mean, they're luchadors, so, like, 
they're still like in the early 20s but have been wrestling for like 10 years uh, but still uh, they're young I think they're really good workers I think they will fit really well with the style in Noah and yeah I think they're definitely an exciting addition to the card and again I'm really interested to see what they actually do with these titles I mean I'm actually really happy about all of the new champions that we've gotten I'm a little less happy with some of the retaining champions that we have uh, but I'm definitely excited about the new champions that we have now one of the retaining champions though that I am quite happy with uh, that he actually got to keep his title is uh, Hiro the Dr. Wagner Jr. defeating Psycho Clown I, I thought this match was I didn't it, it didn't quite hit the kind of star level threshold for me because I feel I felt like the crowd didn't quite get I think where they wanted it to go because obviously like this was like a really bloody brawl like Wagner was just bleeding all over the place and basically just had his entire mask ripped off uh, but the crowd just never really getting quite hot or quite as hot as they as I would have wanted them to be uh, I think it like just kept the match off of being great for me but it's still like I think it was one of the best matches on the show though and I it's I would have kind I kind of was a little bit expecting though Psycho Clown to win here because now I don't quite know what you do with him obviously can keep him around but he's also kind of a really key part of AAA so if he's not a champion in Noah can he actually justify to AAA to keep him around or do does he have to go back to Mexico now kind of draw for them there so but again then again maybe that is the reason why he wasn't allowed to win this title who knows i do think there is still obviously like some stuff left in the wagner title reign mm. i do think him losing it to soya would make a ton of sense uh, soya is just really hot right now and i don't know if soya is really at the kind of main title level at least not a noah so I think just him getting the national title is perfect for him. I mean, it, it would be his first like singles title in forever. Like I'm trying to think when was the last time he won the Wrestle 1 title. I mean, that was definitely a while ago. So yeah, I, I think he, he's hurt. I think he's earned it. So he, I think he's the guy that I think you could end this title win with. And what I also like with this national title is that we would just get like a bunch of it's so far it's been like really like a title that's kind of lent itself to really long title reigns with some obvious exceptions like Fujita who was kind of a transitional champion but otherwise like all of the title reigns with this title generally have been quite long so yeah uh, and we get it here again with Wagner and I think Soya I think has him earned himself like a fairly like lengthy title reign as well and you can always just see kind of where he's going because he also now has his own faction as well. Because uh, earlier on the undercard, he formed the faction with Masa Kitamiya and Taiki Naba. And I think that that's, that has the potential to be a really, really nice faction. I'm interested to see what they're actually going to uh, name it. Uh, I wouldn't mind maybe like a little callback to Wrestle 1 in the faction name. But we'll, we'll see. We'll see what we actually get here. But I think that would be tremendous. And yeah, I'm really excited for that. And I'm happy... To see Wagner retain a title, I was a little surprised that he did, but I think overall it is the right decision. He's really over. The people love him, and but I still feel like 
he is gonna lose that title sooner rather than later because he is coming up on a year on it, which feels like just around the right time for him for to end this title reign as well. I'm talking about ending title reigns that sh- or not ending title reigns rather is Hayata defeating Seiki Yoshioka to retain the junior heavyweight title. Yeah, I already went into it when I talked about Yoshioka leaving. Uh, he should have just won this title, but obviously if he's leaving the promotion and that wasn't going to happen. I don't, I don't know how the timeline here goes, if you had already decided or if you had already informed that he was going to leave before the match or if that happened afterwards. I don't know. But, yeah, it, it, it is a shame. It's, he's a guy that should have been the champion a lot more than he actually ended up being. And I, just, I don't have any use for Hayata. I mean... The match was decent, nothing special. I would definitely say it's an above-average Hayata defense, which, again, I think is kind of testament to the skill of uh, Seki Yoshioka. And we're going to get Daga versus Hayata next, and I just don't have any interest in that. Like... Yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's Daga is not a guy that can carry Hayata. He's someone I could see having a good match with someone else in the division, but not Hayata. Like, it's just going to be a very mediocre match. I think, depending on how much, like, interference stuff they do, I think it could be even lower than average. But I think this match has, like, the Hayata versus Daga match has a hard ceiling. At three stars, I I would be shocked if this match was any better than three stars. Now I don't rate at that level, but I think yeah, it's just I can't see this match being anything better than average under really kind of any circumstances, barring kind of a miraculous performances performance by both men that I just don't see them having. And in another match where I would have preferred to see a title change, Jake Lee defeating Go Shiyazaki to retain the GFC heavyweight title. <sighs> yeah, I don't, I, I don't know. I, I've seen a lot of praise for this match. I think Jake has had better matches than this, quite frankly. I like the Marufuji match more. I like the Takashi Segura match more. I think it was about on par with the Nakajima match. Where I also was probably like below the general consensus on that one. Although with that match my problem was that I just never felt that Nakajima had a chance of winning. Whereas I did actually go into the match actually expecting that Go had a decent chance of winning the match. Uh, Yeah, I just don't think these two really meshed all that well with each other. I don't think the match was bad but it also always like to me seemed to kind of be stuck in second gear and it never really kind of went to like another kind of great level just guess a solid defense for Jake Lee when this really should have felt like a special match especially like with the way it was built up where kind of Jake was doing this whole like thing where like oh yeah I'm I'm now I am no one and kind of go finally comes back from his 
injury and is like trying to like reclaim the moniker of I am though and he wins the N1 finally and all of that and it should have felt a lot more special than it actually did like, and just, the match just didn't feel special I think that's really what I'm saying here so yeah I think they really kind of ended the match on a bit of a downer there though one thing I do like is so that Jake challenged Kano afterwards so I think Kano's winning I think it just makes a lot of sense for Kano to, to, to win here. And I think they should go with Kano for a while as well if he actually wins the title. He's hard, he's a genuine draw as well. And it would just kind of maybe be something that can kind of shake Noah out of its funk that it's in. Kind of, because it kind of really kind of since Jake has won the title. And not all of it is on him, obviously, but like it really feels like Noah just feels kind of sleepy. And maybe Keno winning kind of shakes them out of that. So, yeah, I really hope Keno is winning. Uh, and I get why they put, kind of had go win the N1, because if you don't have him win the N1 this year, right, he's never going to win it. Because he's still going to be in it next year, but it kind of has to be like, he, he's clearly on the downswing of his career because his body just can't hold up anymore. And now he also lost his tag team partner, Nakajima, so I'm not even sure what he is going to be doing going forward. Like, I don't obviously think that he is going to go to, like, complete undercard status, but I assume their plan was to team him with Nakajima and have them go after the tag tiles to kind of, like, get him out of the, like, singles main event picture. Yeah, so that's obviously out of the question now, so we'll see what he's actually going to be doing going forward. Um, yeah, overall, the show was okay. I don't think it was a great show. Um, definitely didn't like some of the booking decisions, though they obviously made sense of like who was actually around and everything. But yeah, I think it was just a very unmemorable show. And I, I don't think this is going to be anything that people are going to be talking about in any kind of special way. Um, it will largely be forgotten. Like I think when we get around this to next year, What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. This will be very much an exercise in like looking up what actually happened on Grand Trip last year. Because I don't think anyone is really going to be remembering much from this show. Looking ahead, we've got Noah Star Navigation on October 20th. Uh, Kazunori Murakami is going to be returning, teaming. Or it's going to be Murakami, Sugera, and Marafuji versus Hideki Suzuki Saxon, Huckling, and Shuki Taniguchi. Which is interesting. Uh, we got Jake Lee and Jack Morris versus Keno and Helio. Doctor did Doctor Wagner Jr. I like this Keno and Wagner team as well. It's fun. Uh, so Katsuhiko Nakajima last Korokin match for Noah. It'll be Goshi Ozaki, Katsuhiko Nakajima, and Masakitamiya versus Masaki Mochizuki, uh, Manabusoi, and Daiki Naba, and that should be great. And then on October 28th at Fukuoka International Center, we got Noah Demolition Stage uh, 2023. We got 
Wagner versus Morris for the GHC national title. We got Nakajima's last Noah match. It's Goshi Ozaki and Katsuhiko Nakajima versus Marufuji and Sugera, which I expect those guys to go all out in. And we got Jake Lee versus Keto. And on October 9th, Monday Magic begins at Shinjuku Face, which is going to be like a, I don't know, a Manji Manji, DDT, Manji Manji type show, probably with like generally younger talents and that sort of thing. So. Um, Noah's in a weird place right now. It continues to feel like it's in a very weird place. And, and I mean, I think with some tight booking and and um, and uh, Keno winning the title, things could turn around. But like I said, Nakajima and Yoshioka really does uh, leave a big hole in that company that's going to be hard to fill. And, I mean, again, I don't think that WWE is about to buy Noah, but you can never discount Muro hanging around there. But I am not as pessimistic as like you cannot like uh, what i'm going to say is you cannot dismiss mudo and wwe and what bullshit that could come out of that but i am not expecting impending doom for noah or even new japan because of this wwe and abima deal and that's my two cents on that because i've been seeing uh, very different takes on that so that's where i stand on all of this so that's pro wrestling noah for me thank you Durant, for that great segue yeah, uh, well, hopefully there was one, because otherwise I'm going to be looking quite silly. So, let's just quickly go over my thoughts for some of the stuff that we have coming up. So, for the current show on the 20th, yeah, we have the Murakami return match, and hey, yeah, it's great that he's back after what seemed to be kind of career-ending injury issues, because he was gone for quite a while. That's nice that he's able to come back from that. With that said, I don't have any use for Murakami. I think he's bad. I think when he was around, he was one of the worst wrestlers in Noah. I think he's just not very good. Uh, I don't like the way he moves through the ring because he honestly looks like he looks like he just shit his pants. His pants being the other issues or his just entire outfit. A lot of people seem to be a really big fan of this, but I think his outfit is terrible. Just this silver trash bag looking suit. Just, he doesn't look good. Like, he doesn't even look like a hitman. He just looks like, I don't know. He just looks like he just took some silver foil and cut that into the shape of a suit. Just looks awful. So, I'm happy that he managed to come back from injury. Don't have much use for him. I, I thought Noah was kind of getting rid of guys like him. But he's back. We'll see if this is for like any kind of regular role or not. Uh, but uh, we'll see. Uh, yeah, there's nothing really of note on that. Otherwise, I mean, we have kind of Nakajima's last Korokan match, but that's being kind of very specific. And he has like his actual good my match on the next show. So we'll just go to that one, which is the demolition stage in Fukuoka. Where we'll have the Wagner versus Jack Morris match. I don't. I, I think Wagner will defend the title here. Um, I like Morris. Uh, I don't think there's much of a point in making Norris a, Morris a double champion in the promotion. I think him carrying the tag titles with Green has a lot more impact rather than having have them carry two titles. So yeah, I, I think Wagner will defend it here, and then probably will get. Someone has the next challenger, and I really hope that 
the next challenger will be Manabu Sawyer, because as I mentioned earlier, I, I think he kind of really earned himself a spot as the next kind of uh, national title champion. So I hope that's the road that they're going down on. Obviously, I'm not opposed to Jack Morris winning the title here. I think he's a great talent, and that obviously would be a massive show of faith if they make him a double champion. I just don't see it happening. Uh, then the Nakajima last Noah match, uh, which is the him and Go versus Murafuji and Segura. I mean, that match has chances to be really, really good. I mean, that's four great wrestlers, as I mentioned earlier. Murafuji has had a sneaky great year. Segura is still really good. And Go can still go, <laughs> uh, especially in tag matches. So, And I love Axis. They're great. Uh, yeah, so sad to see Nakajima leave. Uh, said my a lot of that uh, earlier as well. Uh, yeah, I don't know. That's really all I have to say on this. And then the main event, we have the GHC heavyweight title match between Jake Lee and Keno. As I mentioned earlier, I really, really hope Keno's winning. I, I just don't think there's any energy left in this Jake Lee title reign. There's not much of a point in keeping it going. Uh, Keno's hot. Keno is super over. Keno is a draw. Keno just makes all the sense in the world as champion here. Jake Lee does not. So yeah, it's time to it's time to uh, flip this title. It's time to put it on Keno. Give him an actual long run with the title because he's never had one. Actually, make this his kind of career defining. Like I would make this his career defining title win. I would. I think you should at least make this a six-month reign. I would actually say that you need to make this at least a year-long reign and just really have him kind of run through the roster until whoever you want to build up to take this title off of him, to really like put them over, whoever that is going to be. But I think this should be Kennel's career-defining title reign, and I really hope that's what they're doing here. And then the other thing that Noah has coming up, and that one is actually starting uh, on next Monday, on the 9th. It's Monday Magic, which uh, really seems to be kind of this initiative spearheaded by Nosawa. Because uh, he, he's really kind of the focus of the entire advertisement. It is going to be kind of a weekly show. I'm curious what it actually is. We really haven't heard anything about it. Since it's been announced, it's just we know that it's weekly and it's going to be every Monday. Uh, yeah, um, really be interested what this is actually going to be. Um, uh, when DDT did this weekly uh, kind of format, it was actually really exciting, uh, even though it eventually uh, got cancelled due to uh, butthole shenanigans, which is the most DDT thing possible. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I don't think there's that much of a chance of the Noah show getting cancelled for the same reasons. Um, yeah, I, I, like I said, I still like most of the Noah roster. I think there's a lot of people that I think can do some interesting stuff on here. Yeah, I, I am kind of... <laughs> right now, it's actually probably the thing I'm most excited about in Noah. So we shall see. Uh, we will find out soon what this is actually uh, going to be. But for now, uh, we don't know all that much. But hey, it... it uh, that's going to be a surprise. So hey, let's see how it goes. And then I'm sure me and Gerard will either praise it uh, when it's good. If it's not, I mean, you can expect us to just tear it to shreds. So 
And you look forward to us talking about it in the next episode. All right, we're back with All Japan, or at least I'm back with All Japan now. Uh, I'm obviously very excited to talk about All Japan. Obviously, All Japan and I have a very long history, and I have been willing to sit through some very, very rough times, but my God, am I so excited and just, like, I can barely wait for the next All Japan show, which uh, is something that I haven't been able to say for uh, a few years now. I'm very excited where the company is going. Um, and so I'm excited to talk about some of the stuff here. So we'll start with the Giants series at Shinkiba First Ring on September 14th in front of 320 fans, Super No Vacancy Full House. All Japan has been selling out Shinkiba First Ring solidly, which, you know, is not a huge accomplishment. It's Shinkiba, like 320, 350 might be the max there. But I still think it's a sign of uh, the promotion solidness given, like, the number of companies that run shows that are the, there that are like 180 people. And it's, what it says to me is at least the hardcore uh, uh, All Japan uh, fans, uh, the core of the core, if you uh, uh, have heard that term before, uh, are I think are into the into the company right now. Um, so what I will uh, say is, well, I cannot not talk about Saki defeating Sunny in 9:55 with a running back breaker uh, replacement here for Unagi Sayaka, who I believe had a shoulder injury. Uh, again, solid match. I think it was good that they gave Sunny a little time. I mean, it was a little repetitive, but that's just a case of obviously Sunny needing more reps to fill out almost 10 minutes a little better. But, you know, what do you expect? Saki was the aggressor. Sunny, even when she's going to be more, have more experience, is going to be a perennial underdog. And so in that regard, I think it was a very um, good experience for her and a fun match. And I love watching young talent develop. Uh, that's the one thing I think. I haven't had to, well, I get to talk about it with All Japan these days, so uh, it's something that uh, I'm really excited to watch these evolution ta- uh, wrestlers develop. Uh, other than that, I think another match that was a lot of fun was Hideki Suzuki, Takuya Nomura, and Fuminori Abe defeating Suwama, Dan Tamara, and Ryo Inoue uh, with a double arm suplex from Suzuki on Inoue. 12 minutes and 11 seconds. A uh, lot of fun. I loved that. Uh, Suwama wasn't, or Hideki wasn't wanting to cooperate with Suwama because, like, you know, I know people and Hideki rightly gets a bad rap for that. But here, like, Hideki, like, not cooperating with Suwama, I think just fed into the overall story of him coming in all, into all Japan. This was great, as you would expect with this sort of talent and everything like that. So, I mean, uh, that's really like the second other show, uh, must watch match that you need to see on the show. But to me, the main event, Yuma Ariyagi and Kento Miyahara versus Reiki Honda and Yuma Anzai going to a 30-minute draw. Awesome match. Four and a quarter stars. I mean, with a great build, like Honda trying to put uh, uh, Yuma Ariyagi away uh, towards the time limit. Just, you know, these guys, really, with Yuma and uh, with Anzai and Honda, these guys can really, I think, I'm really feeling them right now. They, they're, like, in the zone. I think they're both hungry. They're both gaining experience. Just go out and watch this match because it's sort of like what All Japan is right now in this sort of transitional frame, uh, frame as Yuma Aoyagi is now the Triple Crown champion, and now you have more young talent rising to the top. And then, of course, Kento there holding everything together. Just another awesome match. And really another feather in all these guys' caps. And all these guys are having an awesome uh, 2023, and we'll probably have even bigger 2024s, uh, given the way that things are going in this company. Okay, so all Japan pro wrestling. Uh, 
Yeah, it's just a promotion. Like, just to be honest, like that much more gets my juices going right now than Noah. Um, that Noah's a bit sleepy, or depends very much. It's not sleepy, so they had a Shinkiba show. Uh, no, <laughs> even though I just said that, I don't actually have that much to say about the show. Uh, but I just wanted to touch on the top two matches on here, where uh, we had a reunion of Moon Vulcan, uh, one of my favorite uh, Big Japan factions. Where uh, Hideki Suzuki, uh, Takuya Nomura, uh, Yoshihisa Uta was in there too, but really that was all about Hideki and Takuya because Hideki trained him. So they just have kind of a special bond that way. And obviously, like rolling Fumina, Fuminori Abe kind of into that as well, like that's, that, that's pretty much a dream team for me. And uh, yeah, no, I thought they had a really good, fun match here. And I mean, this is exactly also the kind of like Fara that you like feed to the Shinkiba fans because they're just the hardcore of the hardcores and I'm sure there were loads of other people in there that were like yeah Moon Vulcan which <laughs> that, that that is quite obscure <laughs> not gonna lie but I I, I I like I like stuff like that especially if you do it on a show like this it's fun and the match itself was really fun too uh, so no just good stuff all around uh, and then uh, in the main event on that one, you had uh, Yuma and Kento going to a draw with Honda and Anzai. Uh, and that's just a really big show of faith in the young guys in Honda and Anzai. Feels weird to not refer to Yuma as one of the young guys, because while he technically still is one of the younger guys on the roster at 27, I mean, he is the Triple Con champion, right? Like, I don't think you can really still be counting yourself as like a young up and comer if you're like. The double champion at that as well. So, no. Uh, the young commas here are definitely Honda and Anzai. And I'm going to a 30-minute time, time limit draw with the two top guys in the promotion, I think. it's. I mean, it's a very clear statement, right? Uh, we have the current kind of top guys. And this is just very clearly showing you that the two on the other side, those are the next two. Like, those are the next two waiting in the wings. Like, both of these men are very likely going to be Triple Crown champions eventually. Uh, they might be winning the tag title sooner than later, so I think that might be something to look forward to. Uh, but they, these will definitely be two guys that the promotion is going to be built around. Uh, I also, at some point soon, after they're kind of done with their, their tag team run, I fully expect Honda to turn on Anza as well, and these two to be like generational rivals as well. Uh, which very excited about, especially after the performance that we saw out of Honda in his Triple Crown match, but uh, we'll get to that. So, no, I, I thought the match was really, really good too. So, these are four of the best wrestlers in the entire promotion. I would count Yuma and Kento amongst the best wrestlers in the world right now. Don't think Honda and Anza are quite there right now, but yeah, no, just tremendous performance by all four men and just big statement and big look kind of into the future as well. I think that's kind of what I really like about these Shinkiba shows in general, you know. It's, they just really give you an idea about what all Japan is going to be in the future as well because mm -hmm. they, you can just kind of allow yourself that on kind of a smaller show like this. And yeah, no, and it's I, I'm, I'm actually hoping that all Japan announces a Shinkiba show for a while I'm in Japan. And obviously one while I'm in Tokyo as well, because Shinkiba is a very special venue. I went there quite quite a bit, actually, when I was first in Japan in 2019. 
and uh, it's certainly a trip and it's certainly <laughs> it, it, it's just a warehouse in, in this warehouse district at the edge of Tokyo but there, there's this special atmosphere when you're in there that I think it, it's very personal in a way that like few arenas can really like replicate in a way so yeah and I think that's reflected in the crowd as well so these are just always quite fun and I think this was yet another really just kind of really fun kind of Shinkiba show from All Japan. So we move on to uh, All Japan uh, Giant Series on September 23rd at Cork and Hall in front of 1,161 fans. That's a great number for All Japan at this point. They're trending upwards at Cork and Hall because they were doing a lot of 900s for a while there and that's great. And it's also great because that's Yuma Aoyagi and Ray, uh, as a Triple Crown champion in that spot, seeing upward, um, traje- upward like trajectory of the attendance figures. And also you've got Ryuki Honda in there, obviously, and they've been pushing him hard. So that push is taking. It's obviously clear that Yuma is a star. Maybe not as big, obviously not as big a star as Kento, but he's a star and becoming a bigger star. And the fans are into Honda as well. That's a great sign. And I expect that they're going to have another even bigger uh, cork in attendance in October, but we'll get to that in a second. Um, I thought, I will say the uh, match T-Hawk, Kaz Hayashi, and Jack Cartwheel defeating Jun Saito, Ray Saito, and Toshizo in 8.30 was a lot of fun, just because Jack Cartwheel uh, got really over doing all sorts of uh, wild stuff, and I have to say, uh, I'm a little surprised that he pinned Toshizo there, but uh, maybe uh, he'll be back in all Japan uh, in the future. Uh, I think he would fit in in the junior division just as an outsider uh, quite well. Then, uh, then uh, I also have to shout out Shuji Shikawa and Yuma Anzai versus Hideki Suzuki and Koji Iwamoto went to a 20-minute draw. This was awesome, hard-hitting. But this was really about Anzai versus Hideki. And obviously, you know, Hideki was pulling the I'm not going to cooperate with this, you know. Um, Anzai was really trying to get Hideki up for a butterfly suplex. He eventually did after many unsuccessful attempts. And then, you know, with the time running out, uh, Hideki had uh, Anzai in a bunch of uh, submission holds, but Anzai wouldn't tap. So in that regard, I thought the 20-minute draw was well. Anzai held his own against Hideki and wouldn't quit. And I sort of that's what you kind of have to do with Hideki. Because I do like Hideki, even if I don't agree, agree with his, I don't know, cooperativeness a lot of the time. But uh, Hideki being Hideki worked here, and the draw worked here given how it was structured. So that was a lot of fun. And then also got to say, uh, Suwama, Dan Tamara, and Ryo Inoue versus the DDT team of Yukio Naya, Kuroku, and Rukia. Uh, they defeated, yeah, they defeated the DDT team in 11 minutes and 50 seconds with the Death Valley Bomb from Tamara on Rukia. Rukia, uh, again, lots of brawling. Obviously, they're building up a match, I think, between Suwama and Naya, perhaps, or maybe uh, a tag team match between them. So that was there. It's just, obviously, I, you know, you're going to love two big guys hitting each other. And then all of the young guys worked really hard. I mean, it had a lot of heat because it was in a promotional match. And nice to see Dan get a big win. And obviously, that would get reversed on the DDT show that Dan and Atsuki were on. But uh, what I like about this DDT feud and Noah feud, which, you know, in all honesty, was a little bit of a surprise. It was a surprise because we didn't see it coming. And then obviously All Japan uh, was working with Noah and New Japan. Well, the New Japan stuff sort of had its natural course. I don't really think that it's a big, you know, Nagata and Kojima did what they had to do. So I'm not disappointed in uh, that sort of thing running its course. 
obviously with Noah, there was more with the Nakajima stuff. And, you know, Keno in, in, in All Japan was fun. It just seemed to abruptly end, though, because there was a certain finality to Nagata and Kojima leaving, which makes you wonder, did All Japan get pissed because then Nakajima all of a sudden announced he was leaving and they can't get dibs on him as a freelancer? I don't know. But the transition to DDT is a lot of fun. Obviously, we had Akiyama and Kutaro Suzuki win the All Asia Tag Titles. I'll talk about that in a minute. And uh, we've got more matches in a promotional matches coming up. So in that regard, I'm excited to see where this goes. And I think in some ways, DDT and All Japan working together is good because the politics of DDT losing to All Japan is is, is less. I don't think Noah, they're not going to big time All Japan about when their guys have to lose as much as New Japan and, and Noah would, I think, because they're a little more open to that sort of thing. So in that regard, it could be a more of a 50-50 thing. Um, we had for the PWF Junior Heavyweight Championship, Al Lindemann defeated Hikaru Sato in 956 uh, with uh, an inside cradle uh, from an arm bar. This is disappointing. Like we've talked about it on the show before, I think we talked about when Dylan was on. Lindemann probably just doesn't seem to be very interested. I don't know if it's what's going on with Gleet or Great. I, keep, I still call it Great. Everyone else calls it Gleet. I mean, watch the shows. They call it Great. And that's, you know, taking into consideration the whole R and L thing in Japanese. He might not be uh into what's going on in his own home company and he's just sort of like hearing great because the politics require that, oh well, you know, all Japan guys are the tag team champions and quite uh dominant tag team champions. And so, you know, one of our guys has to hold their junior title, you know, as a as a back and forth. So I mean I thought Saddle looked great in this when he was like trying to dismantle and take apart Lindemann kicking in his legs using hold and everything but uh yeah like I went three and a quarter on this there was some perfectly great mat work in here but just last lacked the sort of pizzazz and explosiveness you want from a, a title match and especially one featuring L Lindemann uh so I hope I think hopefully after the junior battle of glory we'll get this title off of Lindemann in the main event Yuma Aoyagi defeated Ryuki Honda in 22 minutes and 46 seconds with the fool to make his fourth successful defense of the triple crown. I mean, this was awesome. What can I say? Uh, uh, Honda kicked out of the fool. Yuma kicked out of uh, the, the final vent. So obviously, you know, they're going for that big, huge title thing. You know, lots of back and forth, lots of crazy looking lariats from Honda that Yuma sold for beautifully. I want four and a quarter stars on this. A great first, well, technically not the first challenge, but it was off tournament finals that Honda was last in a triple crown match. So his first formal challenge, I think, went swimmingly and we've got something with Honda and he's going to obviously clearly continue to get a push. I mean, I think that his little tag team with uh, Yuma Anzai could uh, actually be uh, real world tag league uh, winners this year, which I think might probably be the right idea at this point uh because that's a, that means something in all japan but it's also like a big turn but also they're at the level where it's like you know uh it's different from than a champion carnival or something like that where maybe then you would feel the pressure to uh get the triple crown on one of them but uh i don't think either of them are quite ready do i think either of them win the triple crown in 2024 i don't think it's impossible but I think that Yuma Anzai is definitely winning the Triple Crown in twenty by uh, in by tw- in 2025. Uh, but uh, 2024 is going to be another uh, uh, year of development. But I mean, on the whole, another strong showing from All Japan. Another sort of show where the forward momentum of developing young talent and getting young talent over is really paying off for them. 
All right, time for my thoughts on all Japan in Karakan. So, I think really the first thing I need to do is take one big victory lap. Because, what have I been saying? All Japan numbers in Karakan were kind of consistently strong. Especially at the beginning of the year, right at the beginning of the year for the No Use shows. And then they dropped quite a bit. And what have I been saying? Because they pissed off the hardcores by putting all of their titles on outsiders. And you know, now, the moment Yuma Iwayagi wins the Triple Crown Championship, the current numbers have recovered. He draw he drew kind of the first uh, like or his title fin rather drew the first korokan show above a thousand people again they somewhat held strong they, they dropped quite they dropped a little bit below a thousand again uh, for the royal road show but again it's a royal road show and now they post their best attendance in korokan all year at 1161 with this uh, title reign against honda who i really like and they delivered a great match but again i don't think we can call honda any kind of a draw just yet because he is still quite new he's still quite young and everything and he's going to get i think he actually has a chance to be a really good draw but he's obviously not quite dead so this was very much heavily kind of weighted on yuma aoyagi being expected to draw and yet again yuma aoyagi delivers like i think he's just really nailing this title reign in terms of drawing and i think just it's well founded that all japan put the trust in him and he is like he is just the top guy now like him like drawing like the best Korokan numbers with an unproven guy on top and delivering in both drawing numbers as well mass match quality like he's a guy uh but yeah so just kind of going a bit through the matches as well uh just kind of dropping in and out of everything um i have this I, we, I would say it was a good show overall. Uh, there's some stuff here where I was like, I felt a little bit disappointed on stuff a bit. Like the Minoru Suzuki, the still unnamed Minoru Suzuki, Doi, and Hokuto Omori faction uh, beat Kento, Atsuki, and Rising Hayato. And I just looked at that and I was like, that match is going to be tremendous. But then it really only got like nine minutes and five seconds. Uh, not really enough time to really kind of develop anything. Uh, then we had the uh, continuing feud of Evolution versus DDT. Uh, when Subama, Dan, and Ryo Inoue beat Yukio Naya, uh, Yuya Koroko, and Rukia. Uh, I don't think this was as good as the burning match, but it, it, got, it kept the like, uh, burning versus Evolution feud going, which I think was the main goal here. So that was nice. And it was also interesting to see that actually Dan was the guy that got the pinfall here. Because obviously, like, Subama's right there and he could have, like, pinned any of the guys on the DDT side and no one would have been surprised. But I, it, it is a statement that Dan is the guy that got the pin here and they also announced him uh, uh, having a match with uh, Aoki as well. Uh, with Shin Aoki. So I, I don't know how much of I'm going to be into this match. But it is definitely, it's definitely a statement, I want to say. Like, they, they are serious about pushing Dan. And, uh, yeah, I, I, f I have a feeling they're actually going to be transitioning him uh, over to 
heavyweight sooner rather than later. Not quite yet, but he, there is. I see some similarities to kind of uh, not similarities, but I do see a similar trajectory for him uh, to what they've done with Hokuto Amori because he's also very noticeably like uh, kind of uh, bulking up as well. So I don't think he's going to be around much longer in the junior division, but obviously he will get one last junior battle of glory. Then in the junior title match, I am just really not into this Alindaman title reign. It just has been a massive disappointment. I think Lindemann in general is great, but he just hasn't seemed motivated in this entire thing. Like it just seems like such a like contractual obligation for him. <laughs> it's the best way I can describe it. It's just a thing that Glade and All Japan agreed on and Lindemann is just in there and just fulfilling his obligations and just doing the bare minimum necessary to get a good match and then have a great. He's been in there with some really good opponents, like a big variety of opponents, so you can't even say that it just doesn't matter with a specific person. So, yeah, I, I really hope that they end this title reign. Like, I hope that the, however long lead and all Japan agreed on that this title reign is going to be uh, is over rather soon. I mean, obviously we have the Junior Bell of Glory and, I mean, you have to expect that he's going to lose to the winner there. Because, yeah, like I said, I just hope this ends and we can move on to better and brighter things. Now, talking about better and brighter things, though. Triple Crown match, Yuma Aoyagi defeating Ryuki Honda. This was awesome. This was, this, this was really awesome. I went four and a half on this, so probably not going to make my kind of match of the year list. But... I might have to reconsider that upon rewatch. We'll, we'll see where it actually finally lands. I think this was the Ryuki Honda coming out party, really. Like that, that's really what this match was about. Uh, obviously, he falls short eventually, but you made it very clear that this is a guy who is a serious contender for this title. Like he isn't just a young guy that like got a nice like first like a nice chance to like kind of show what he can do. Like, this was really a guy that actually was, like, a serious contender to win this title. Like, and that's kind of how they, like, built the match structure as well, where, like, Yuma was, like, a bit overconfident at first. And then Honda very quickly, like, proved him wrong by just kind of putting a bad beat down on him and everything. And really liked, like, the difference in kind of the finishing structure here as well. Because he kind of was, like, Yuma was a lot more deliberate in his finishing sequences in the Kojima and the Suwama match because those were a lot more about kind of putting guys away definitively to establish that he is above them now, right? He's better than Suwama now. Like, he, he has outgrown Suwama finally. And he's better than Kojima as well, which just perfect way to book that as Kojima was out of, uh, on his way out of the promotion anyway. So it was really like about establishing the strength of Yuma Aoyagi as the champion. Whereas the, he did like the finishing sequence here with a lot more urgency because he basically was just like, no, 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 I just need to put this guy away now because if I don't put this guy away now, I'm going to lose. So, yeah, I, I thought this was kind of really booked perfectly as well. Just 
great match structure and everything. And yep, yeah, Honda Honda is a guy. Honda is going to be a Triple Crown champion. I'm willing to kind of stake a lot on that. And, well, obviously barring any injury or him leaving. But if he sticks around in All Japan, he is going to win this title eventually. Uh, he is going to be a big deal in this promotion. Uh, yeah, no, great stuff all around. And uh, I said, the show was definitely carried by the main event because there wasn't really all that much on the undercard either. I mean, as I talked about, it's not really all that much that I was like super interested in. But the main event just fully delivered, which is important. And then as the next big match, we're going to get Yuma versus Kento uh, for the Triple Crown. I think Kento is winning that. I think you really got about as perfect of a first title reign out of Yuma as you could have. Like he beat two young guys, Inomori and Honda, to establish stuff for the future. Where these two, where these guys now have kind of storylines with Yuma about him being like this goalpost that they need to overcome, kind of get to the next level. Which I think Mori eventually will fall short of, but Honda eventually will be able to overcome. And he beat two veterans to really establish that, like, no, no, I'm I'm a guy now. He drew well and everything. Um, but again, like like Kento's first tolerance, for example, like it went on for like a really long time, and he actually has been struggling to kind of put up a title reign that is better than his first one. And you don't really want to peak on the first title reign. Like Okada's, like for example, like Okada's first title reign wasn't like particularly long, but then his second title reign, that's when he like became like proper like Okada. And I have a feeling that they're, they're going to do something similar with Yuma here as well, where he loses it uh, to Kento, to, to his Tanahashi, basically. Uh, and uh, then Kento gets to like carry the belt for a while uh, before losing it either to Oshino or Yuma. But Yuma is going to win this title again. Like, I don't think there's any doubt on that. Unless, obviously, again, he gets injured or leaves. But I would be surprised. Well, injury, you never know. But I would be very surprised if he actually were to leave the promotion now. Because he's a guy. And he will be the guy eventually as well. Uh, yeah, So, but, but I, I think like right now is the right time for him to lose it to Kento. Because that also gives him something to overcome. Because he has beaten Kento normally now, but now he needs to beat Kento in a Triple Crown title match, and that will be like the final step for him to become like the actual ace of the promotion. And I have no doubt that that match will deliver at just an absolutely insanely high level. Like I obviously might be setting myself up here for like uh, a disappointment, but I think anything below like a match of the year contender, uh, I, I would actually consider to be a bit of a disappointment. So yeah, definitely setting myself up for definitely jinxing myself massively here. But you know what? These two are two of the best wrestlers in the world. I might be voting them number one and two. So you know what? That's just the expectations I will have for them. So uh, during the show, we had the, the uh, Junior Battle of Glory contestants um, announced so we've got Atsuki Ariyaki, Rising Hado, Dan Tamar, Rio Inoue, Hikaru Sato, Naruki Doi, Fuminori Abe, and Koji Iwamoto, which is great to see. I that is a strong lineup. All killer, no filler. Um I gonna say the one interesting thing is on a Tenru project show in the last couple of weeks, I can't remember the exact date, I have not been able to see the show. Dan Tamara and Suwama defended the United National Tag Team titles 
against the Saitos, and they won. And Tamara pinned, uh, I believe, Ray Saito, although don't quote me on that, but he pinned one of the Saitos. And then after the match, like Suwama said, oh, I want to team with you in the Real World Tag League. Now, are they going to put Dan in both tournaments to do a double tournament gimmick with Dan? I think he could do it. I think it would be a nice little way to get all eyes on Dan. But I would prefer it if they subbed out Dan and put him in the real world tag league. And they put in, say, Aseki Yoshioka, for example, or another junior. So that's just a thought. Like, if I had a choice, I would have Tsuwama and Dan team in the real world tag league and then have someone sub in for Dan. Uh, They haven't announced the real world tag league champions yet, and I don't think they're going to until after that title match on the 9th. Uh, so that's when I expect to uh, find out who's in the real world tag league. So that's just something out to watch for. Maybe they're not going to do anything and Suwama's not going to team with Dan, but that's just something to note that might happen that I thought could be uh, very interesting. Um, so uh, some other things is uh, I watched the Sutter brothers and uh, versus uh, Takanori Ito and Issei Onitsuka in great for the uh, G infinity tag team titles from their show in, uh, I think it might have been Sapporo. It was definitely in Hokkaido that got uploaded just a few days ago because I think there were some technical glitches, so it took a while to get up on YouTube. Uh, again, a really solid match. This went like I think 17, 18 minutes. I mean, I'd go maybe three and a half, maybe even three and three quarters. Like you could put the Saitos out there now for 17, 18 minutes, and they don't look completely out of place. And it's like every match a little bit. A little bit of improvement, right? Which is why I think their upcoming tag title match is just going to rock, given who they're going to be in there with. So before we get into that, though, on October uh, 5th at Shin Kiba First Ring, we have the first New Age Chronicle Jump Over show. uh, And we've got Dan Tamara and Fuminori Abe versus... Oh, and this show is sold out, by the way, which is a great sign. Dan Tamara and Fuminori Abe versus Ryo Inoue and... uh, uh, Issei Onitsuka, we've got Ryuki Hana and Taiki Shimomura versus uh, Leo Asaka, uh, which who is uh, replacing Koju Takeda, who is injured, and Soma Watanabe, and uh, sorry, it's Ryuki Honda, Taiki Shimomono, and Leo Asaka versus Soma Watanabe, uh, Jun Toncho, and uh, Imabari Towel slash Mascaris, it's a mask gimmick, sort of luchador thing. Uh, we got uh, Hokuto Omori versus Takahiro Katori. We've got Hilo Tamara, Chek Shimatami, and t- and uh, um, uh, uh, sorry, uh, Takaki Iwasaki versus Jun Saito, Rei Saito, and Toa Iwasaki, who I have wanted to see in All Japan for a while ever since he left um, Zero One. So I think that he's someone that uh, would add a lot to All Japan, even just as a uh, regular freelancer in the heavyweight division. He's got good size. Uh, he's he's talented. Uh, even if that means more Kohei Sato, who is sort of his mentor in All Japan, I'd take it. Like, for example, if they were to team in the Real World Tag League, I think that would be awesome. You know, Burst, when it does you know get on YouTube, is a fun little promotion to watch. So that is a great sign. Hopefully he... Uh, sticks around and then we've got um, Yuma Aoyagi and Takuya Nomura versus Yuma Anzai and Ayato Yoshida so this match is a semi-main event it has a 20 minute time limit and I think that's where we're sort of heading with this um, because I don't know who's going to do the job here Anzai might I mean, I could see him getting pinned by Nomura or Aoyagi, honestly. So it's either going to be a 20-minute draw or Anzai's taking that fall. Um, 
I suppose, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there's not another Triple Crown match to build to. You know, say it was say Yoshida or 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 Anzai were to uh, get the surprise victory or something like that. So that's what I expect the result of that match to be. Then the main event, we got Aski, Aoyagi, and Rising Hayato versus Mao and Rikuya of um, of DDT. Um, them in the main event spot. I'm expecting All Japan to win this. Uh, show also because this was sort of like the young young wrestler show that was proposed by Rising Hayato. So I expect uh, Hayato Pinrukia, who's uh, you know very promising but still a rookie. I think he debuted earlier this year uh, or maybe uh, last year in in DDT. So uh, that's the New Age Chronicle. I can't wait to watch the show because all of these guys. I mean, it's a show full of young hungry wrestlers. I love that stuff. So I think it's going to be a really 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 strong show and then uh just a few more things looking ahead for all japan uh we've got um uh obviously uh Kataro suzuki and Junakiyama won the all asia tag team champions uh they beat finally beat yoshitatsu and onita in another current explosion death match on dvt show earlier this month um uh, it's not a very good match <laughs> it's horrible it only went and I was actually one of the shorter ones, but it was not good at all. Don't bother going out of your way to see that. But this weekend, I believe on the 8th in DDT, they are defending against um, Takawa Mori and Yoshitatsu in a regular rules match, thank God. And I obviously expect Kataro Suzuki and Junakiyama to win that. And here's the thing. The Dio is going to be going on at least in, through December because the finals of the, the DDT Dio are actually now been announced for January 3rd, Cork and Hall show. But maybe, just maybe given that the Real World Tag League starts in November and ends on December 6th, we can get Akiyama and Suzuki as the All-Asia Tag Team Champions in the, um, in the Real World Tag League, which I think would be a huge boost to that tournament. Because even though Akiyama's winding down, I really do think, and I'll get to this in a minute, he has one little run in All Japan left in him that can do some business. So on October 9th, we've got the Saitos versus Keto Miyahara and Yuma, and, uh, Yuma Aoyagi for the World Tag Team Champions. I think the Saito should win. I think because Yuma is the tag... It, it's time to break up the Yuma and Kanto tag team because if you split them up, you can, can then have two new world tag team level teams, get, get them new partners. I'd go back and get to Kuya Nomura teaming with Kanto again. I really dig that team. I think it's just time for that. Uh, get that title out of there. Get that on to the Saitos and then get maybe have the whoever wins the real world tag league beat the Saitos in January for those things. I just think it's time to move on. It's time to get some young blood in those world tag team titles. And the Saitos are being, I mean, clearly with this G Infinity title reign, the Saitos are being groomed uh, to be world tag team champions. Then October 21st, we've got Kento versus Yuma uh, Aoyagi for the Triple Crown. I think Kento's winning because I think they're going to drag out the story of Yuma Aoyagi beating Kento in a Triple Crown match a little longer. And here's the thing. They've got a big show at Yoyogi on January, uh, December 31st. So what are the options for a main event? Well, Kento is the solid hand in the main event because he main evented the other Yoyogi show against Anzai. So what are your options? Kento versus Nakajima, obviously, if they can get Nakajima on freelance. 
Kento versus Shatara Ashino. But if Ashino is ready by then, I think it's not ideal if they rush him right back into the title picture, but who knows? Maybe they just will because we need a um, a Yogi main event. Now, if Yuma does retain, I think we could see Yuma versus um, uh, Yuma versus oh, sorry, Yuma versus Akiyama in the main event of Yogi because they've already teased that happening in the in in the media. Like you know, Yuma saying, "I will see you again, Akiyama." We could see Yuma versus Ashino again. Same things. I think it's too soon to rush him back. I'm not against Ashino winning the Triple Crown. I think he should, but you could, should build that back up. Or I could suppose I could see Yuma Aoyagi versus Nakajima. Well, that seems the least likely, but you could have a case where Nakajima comes into All Japan and beats Yuma Aoyagi for the Triple Crown, and then uh, Kanto has to chase Nakajima for the Triple Crown. So those are sort of my scenarios for um, for that uh, Yoyogi. And I think we'll probably get a very good idea of what the Yoyogi main event could be soon. I think maybe some of the participants in the Real World Tag League may tell us. And I would assume that we will get those U, uh, participants. I mean, I feel like October 21st is too late to announce. So I think after October 9th, uh, though. But, so after October 9th and before October 21st is when I'm assuming that. So that's all Japan. Oh, wait, no, one more thing. Uh, I watched um, Dan Tamar and Aski Aoyagi versus um, Yuki Ueno and Rukia at uh, DT Who's Gonna Top Show. That was a fun little match. I mean, Ueno's awesome. Rukia's a promising rookie. Um, I thought Dan and, and, and Ueno, even though they have very different styles, actually worked very well together in the end. And then, like, um, uh, Ueno pinned Tamar with a double jump moonsault. But obviously what seems to be happening here is DDT wins versus All Japan when they're in DDT. And All Japan's going to win in All Japan when DDT is there, which is a perfectly good way to go. Though sometimes you sort of want to mix that up uh, to build heat. So that's All Japan. I'm very high on it right now. I'm very excited with these upcoming shows. And I'm very excited about what the real world tag league could hold for us. I think... There's a very good chance that the Real World Tag League, depending on some of the possibilities that could be in it, could be the best Real World Tag League we've seen in, in, in several years. And really, there have been some pretty solid, better than you might think, Real World Tag Leagues, especially on the final couple of shows. But um, I'm really thinking that we could have a very solid top-to-bottom Real World Tag League this year. Uh, so that's something to look out for. So, yeah, uh, hopefully you enjoyed this week's uh, MO Flow show. We'll be back, obviously, probably at this point after um, that Kento versus Yuma match. And so I hope you uh, continue to watch pro wrestling. Can you just hope that Japanese pro wrestling does not get subsumed by the WWE? Which I don't think it will, but, uh, you know. Never say never, but I think I made clear my feelings on all of this. You should always keep one eye on it, but do, please do not panic. Now to wrap things up, uh, we're going to be talking about some stuff that All Japan has coming up. Um, so first of all, uh, Junakiyama, oh, not coming up, but actually that's something that happened as well in the past. Is Junakiyama and Kotaro Suzuki uh, won the All Asia Tag Titles. Uh, I, I think that's great. I mean, it's 2023 and Junakiyama is an All Japan champion again. Who saw that coming? Like, he just seemed completely... He just completely washed his hands of the promotion when he left. So, yeah. I mean, it's wrestling, right? Never say never. 
So I think that definitely obviously means that he will be uh, back a bit more now. Uh, let's see how long this tag title reign goes. I'm definitely happy that it's off of uh, Onita and Yoshitatsu because that just really had run its course. So yeah, no, uh, happy that that happened. And then otherwise, and like kind of stuff that is coming up. Um, we actually on Monday, next Monday, we're going to have uh, Kenton Yuma versus the Saitos for the tag titles. I think there is a good chance the Saitos are winning. Not a big fan of the Saitos winning. While I do enjoy them generally as these kind of, you know, like, because they kind of bring a different energy to the promotion as these fat brawlers that are very much a kind of 80s giants kind of uh, kind of just kind of retro team like they have a very retro energy I think is the best way to can describe them which gets reinforced by them uh, having Darken uh, and Dream Warriors as their theme song I don't think they're at the level where they're really believable tag champions I mean, maybe this is just going to be a very short reign as well because we have the real world tag league coming up and then whoever wins that is obviously going to challenge the current champions then on the New Year show or Yoyogi or we'll see how that actually goes this year. So in that case, I could see it, but the tag titles in all Japan are generally actually expected to draw as well. And I don't think the fighters are really there. And, and they're obviously also not at the kind of working standard that you would generally expect from champions in all Japan as well. So if they actually... It really makes sense for them to beat Kento and Yuma here to kind of set up the Kento vs. Yuma Triple Crown match later in the month. Uh, so yeah, if they do win the titles here, then I at least hope that it is going to be a relatively short reign as well with maybe only one defense before they then lose it to the real-world uh, tag league winners in January or late December. Let's see. So, yeah, so that's that. And then I kind of already touched on the Canterbury Zuma Triple Crown match, so I'm not going to uh, do that again right now. So really the only thing left for me to talk about then is the field of the Junior Battle of Glory. So the... Uh, you know what, I'm just going to assume that Gerard actually read it out. So I think actually that this field is one of the best ones we've seen, quite frankly. I don't see anyone in there that I think is bad. Like I think all of them deserve to be there. I think all of them are really great workers. Um, we do again have kind of a pretty short time limit on the matches as well, which I think is going to be put a bit of a cap on how good these matches, matches actually could be, which again was actually holding back the Junior Tag Battle of Glory. Not sure why they keep doing this, uh, but it is what it is, basically. Uh, as for who I think is going to win this, I mean, there are... Basically, I think it's between three people here that could win it. I think Atsuki could win it, if they just want to the, redo the whole Atsuki loses the title to an outsider and then wins it back after a while, which... They just did it already this year with him and Oroki Doi. So while I could definitely see them just repeat that story immediately, I, I think that would be 
not a great choice as much as I love Atsuki. Rising Hayato, I think I think he is to me is like the actual favorite to win this. Because he's just has been tremendous this year and I think he's really kind of earned his way to become the champion. Uh, the only thing that is kind of stopping me from kind of committing to that a bit more is the fact that he has already had a match with a Lindemann for the title and he lost not that long ago. So but obviously like him going for the tournament and winning and every uh, winning the tournament and then making his claim that way obviously won't make a ton of sense. And the other person I could see winning this tournament is Koji Iwamoto. I think if Iwamoto is actually sticking around permanently now, uh, I think this tournament is going to give us a really good indication if that is going to be the case. Because if he wins, and if he's beating a Lindemann whenever the tournament winner is challenging for the title, I think then that makes it extremely likely that he will resign uh, at the beginning of the year if that happens. And I'm all for that. I've really missed Koji Wamoto and uh, yeah, I, I think he's just a great addition to the to the division. And if he beats a Lindemann, then you can have him carry the belt for a little bit. Like for example, you can have him actually beat Atsuki and give Atsuki something to do because that's something that he's lacking a little bit because he's kind of overcome most of the roadblocks that have been put in his way, right? So that gives him something to overcome there. And then eventually he can lose it to Rising Hayato, and then Hayato can kind of get to the title that way. So, yeah, I've, uh, the other ones, I don't think anyone is really unreasonable of winning. Dan, obviously, he's been put, getting pushed a lot, but I see him moving up to heavyweight. Ryo Inoue, I would love to see Ryo Inoue win the tournament and challenge for the title, but again, he's another one. He has already challenged a tournament for the title and lost. And he's still young. He's still really shortly into his career. So, like, you can take a bit more time to build him up a lot more. Sato just lost the title challenge. So, it doesn't really make sense for him to win this. Doi. Doi, Doi is an interesting one. But, again, they've already kind of, like, set up a title match between the two. Which I, which is interesting because that's the first time we're actually going to have, like, a very direct, like, Dragon Gate versus Glade kind of title match which hasn't really happened before. Um, I do... Could I see Doi win the title there? Maybe. But, I mean, at this point, you've kind of carried on this a little Like I said, I don't think there's a lot of energy left here, but I think you can at least carry it on for as long as you can have, like, the tournament winner uh, beat him. So, yeah, if, the, if that is the plan, then obviously... But even if Doi is actually, like, beating Alineman and winning a title. It doesn't really make sense then for Doi to win this tournament, so I think he's pretty much out there. Abe, I mean, again, I love Abe, but he's still very much an outsider. So, unless he is coming in more permanently, I don't think it makes a lot of sense to have him win this tournament either. No, obviously, if he is winning, though, like, and if he, that means that he is coming in on a more permanent basis. I'm all in favor of that, but... Again, it's less likely that he is coming in on a permanent basis than that Koji Iwamoto is coming in on a permanent basis. So, yeah, to me, it still remains that I think there's three people that could potentially win this. It's Atsuki, it's Hayato, and it's Iwamoto. Uh, but, yeah, even, even with the time limit, though, I think this should be a really strong tournament because, yeah, just all tremendous workers uh, that are either really established or really hungry, so... 
definitely something to be excited for in the future. Uh, that's really pretty much it. That's really everything I wanted to be talking about. So uh, we will probably be uh, recording at some point soon. Um, it will likely be in around two weeks. I think it's the most likely one because that way we can talk about the All Japan Tag Title Match as well as kind of the first kind of Monday night uh, TV show from NOAA. Uh, and then we can kind of preview kind of some of the upcoming stuff with the Triple Crown Match and all of that. So you will definitely be able to hear uh, from us again then. Uh, hopefully at that time we will be able to record together. Uh, but you will definitely hear from us again. And well, you will get our thoughts on everything that has been happening in the wonderful world of Puro. So take care and until next time. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy and delicious breads, buns and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Hi, my name is Tyler Fornis, and I am the co-host of The Good, The Bad, and The Hunky here on the Voice Wrestling Podcasting Network. Every week, my co-host Fred Moreland and I discuss all the happenings of all elite wrestling and everything going on in the universe of Tony Khan. We talk about Dynamite, we talk about Rampage, and we will talk about Collision when the time comes as well, along with all the appearances outside of AEW from all the best talents in all elite wrestling. This is one of the more cohesive wrestling companies in the entire world, and we discuss every intricacy about it, including the unique booking of Tony Khan that is both a huge positive and a major detriment. Check us out every single Thursday here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network.